P-S-N-Y. Absolutely disheveled. The worst week in my sports career. Yeah, rough week to be a Cowboys fan, too. It's not good. Yankees lose in the ALDS. Their season's over. Dak Prescott gets his entire ankle blown up. Oh, it was ugly. You got to feel bad for that guy. I mean, regardless of whether you are a fan of the Giants or, you know, whatever other team there is out there, because honestly, doesn't really matter to me. You have to feel for Dak Prescott because, first of all, his foot was on the other side of his leg, and that's not right. Um, yeah, it's not ideal. It's not where it's supposed to be. But, yeah, this was the worst weekend in sports for me, and I'm sad, sad. I'm actually in the process of making a video of all my reactions from this year, and it's really funny because one minute I'm like, oh, my God, it's a walk-off, and the next I'm like, I'm sad. Um, all right. Well, then I'm gonna I'm gonna name episode 76 the official sad podcast. That's what it's gonna be. Um, yeah. So this is episode 76 of the Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast, presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, and Warwick Gaming. As always, brought to you by Rivercrest NYC. And this week, for the first time in about a year, I guess, uh, also brought to you by Sadness. We have had podcasts that have been sponsored by Rage. A lot of them sponsored by Rage. Yes, that's on this me. Pure, pure unfiltered sadness. That's all I can explain it as. I'm sad for multiple reasons, but the biggest one we all know is the New York Yankees are done for the season. The off-season thread has officially started. Oh, not the off-season thread. I know. Every year it just gets bigger and bigger. And I mean that by like exposure wise, because the first year everyone's like, haha, that's funny. And the second year they're like, oh, this is actually true. And this year they're like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> now it's like a Bible. It's a Bible of sadness, off season sadness. Um, yeah. So the big news of the week, the Yankees got eliminated by the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, say what you will about the Rays. They were clearly the better team. Um, they absolutely deserve to win that series. They probably should have won in four. We pushed it to a game five. Uh, and then the offense just it didn't get anything done against them in game five. So it's a, it's a clean win. It's a clean win. Give them the credit where it's due. Um, we're on to next year, I guess. Just so exhausting. It's exhausting. I mean, it's been 11 years since the Yankees have won the World Series, and every single year you enter the season with that hope and that faith that you're like, this is going to be the year. Halfway through the season, this is going to be the year, and it just is not their year. And I don't know. The Rays, you were right. The Rays are the better team for sure. Um, you know, the Yankees had that offensive outburst in game one. Uh, they fought back in game four and then, of course, poetic justice in game five, having Brousseau be the one to hit the home run off of Chapman, who threw it his head earlier in the season. Still don't know if I truly believe that he actually threw it him, and I'm probably going to get flack for that, but, you know, it was just... I'm with you. I, don't, I don't think he threw it him on, on purpose because, again, we look back and you look at the situation and you say, oh, well, it was, you know a one run lead. There was already a man on base. Uh, did the Yankees really want to lose this game to a division rival? Probably not. So I, I don't know. And we know Aroldis Chapman can't control his fastball for shit, uh, which is why Gary Sanchez called a slider and he shook him off said, I wanted to go fastball and Rousseau fucking tattooed it. That's true. There were a lot of instances in game five, which I watched in Massachusetts surrounded by a bunch of Red Sox fans and one Mets fan. Yeah, definitely um, your fault, by the way, because, I, I mean, you had your lucky spot for the game, and you were not in your lucky spot for the game. You were away for the weekend watching it in listen, enemy territory. So, th I listen, feel like this one's on you, Allison. Stop. 
I already blame myself. I don't need everyone else blaming me. I had the t-shirt. I did everything I needed. I had the thumbs down shirt. That was the lucky shirt. I was hugging it. I was holding it. I was falling like in the fetal position on the couch. Like I did everything I physically could. And for whatever reason, the sports gods were not helping me out. And I'm sorry. I'm taking it upon myself. I am so sorry. Now that's I'll quite never, the image. I'll never watch another Yankee game again if it means that they will win the World Series. If that's what it takes. But I don't, don't I don't that. think I don't think you can you can follow through on that promise. I don't think that's in your bag. I really it's just I think you'd rather watch the Yankees lose uh, every game than not watch them at all. Um, but I don't know. That's just a funny image surrounded by friends and you're just having a, a quick panic attack about the Yankees and everyone comes over. I was like, hey, you want to come over, join the party, maybe grab a beer, you know, talk to the people you drove all the way to Massachusetts to see. And no, they need me now more than ever. <laughs> it was, uh, it was rough. Um, I was curled up in the fetal position for a very long time on the couch and everyone was out at a bonfire and I was like, I can't come yet. Like, I have to just like, I have to wallow. Just let me, let me wallow. Just give, and they just give me a second, please. <laughs> and after the game ended, of course, I was like, they started talking about the Rays and how great they are. And I looked at my boyfriend, I'm like, turn it off. And he's like, what? And I'm like, turn it off. Oh boy. He doesn't know what he, he doesn't know what he signed up for yet. He's <laughs> like, yeah. oh, this is nice. Allison, she's a baseball fan. That's pretty nice. She likes the Yankees. That's cool. And then he sees it in action and it's like, oh, oh no. Oh my God. She's a what psychopath. <laughs> it's like I'm possessed. I mean, I might be, but like whatever. Yeah. Well, it's it sucks, but I'm gonna say this for all the Yankees fans who are listening. Because Yankees Twitter has already started to become a bloodbath and I don't like it. Uh, number one thing this week, we are not rooting for the Houston Astros. We're not going to do it. Okay. I know the Rays just eliminated us. And I know the Rays have been really cocky with the Yankees this year. And guess what? They earned it. They beat the shit out of us in the regular season. And then they knocked us out of the playoffs. So you kind of earned the right to be a little cocky about it, but let's not forget who the true enemy is the enemy of the people the Houston Astros, all right? We're not rooting for them to win a single game. Fuck the Houston Astros. I hope the Rays run them out of the building and then get swept by whoever wins the National League. That's exactly what I discussed with my mother. And here's the thing is we can't just focus on the tiny corner of the baseball universe where the Yankees and the Rays have this little AL East rivalry. No, this is about something bigger than the ALEs. This is about the entire sport and the integrity of baseball. Absolutely. So, no Houston Astros. If you are rooting for the Houston Astros because you're like, oh, the Rays beat the Yankees, you're wrong. I'd rather the Red Sox win the World Series instead of the Houston Astros at this point, at this juncture. And if Carlos Correa keeps talking, I might just forget the Red Sox exist. I might just completely forget about them because I've had just about enough with Carlos Correa. And the worst part is he's swinging a really hot bat right now. He's playing really well, which just makes it a million times worse. Because it's like, well, what are you going to say? You're going to say Carlos Correa stinks? No, I'm going to say, you know, go fuck yourself, Carlos. I guess you're swinging, you're hitting some home runs, you're hitting 500, whatever. You're still a dick. The whole Carlos Correa thing really pisses me off as well. Um, he keeps going on Twitter and he keeps talking. He does not shut up. Like, first of all, you're still in the playoffs. Keep playing. Like, focus on your game. Focus on yourself. Like, the problem is he's trying to defend his team, but he's being an asshole about it because there's nothing to defend. You did something wrong, and you didn't admit that you did anything wrong. Instead, you're just like, well, my team is still the best team, and I'm the best player, and you know what? I'm going to go in the MMA ring when I retire. Boom, boom. You don't even deserve to be here. You had an under 500 regular season. You lost more games than you won. That's not a grounds just because you won a couple playoff series to all of a sudden be like, oh, we're the best team in the whole world. I mean, you beat the Minnesota Twins and the Oakland A's, two historically bad postseason <laughs> franchises. Those teams, are, they do not win in the postseason. We beat the Twins multiple years in a row and do never let them win games. So No. <laughs> so no, we ha. do not. 
we set it up for you. You're welcome. Oh, it's going well so far. I mean, the Rays opened up a, what is it, a 2 nothing lead now? Chance to make it 3 nothing tonight. I will most certainly be tuning in for that. I don't know. I don't know who's getting the ball for them. I would assume it's probably Glass now. Um, I would assume so. I haven't really looked because, honestly, I haven't been paying too much attention because I don't give a damn. But you're done. You're I, checked out of baseball. Yankees lost. I'm checked out of baseball. I'm done. It's I, over. Right, right now I'm on Brett Gardner watch, you know? Um, no, beyond that. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about Guardy later. Oh yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> um, but beyond that, um, I am definitely interested in the national league. Um, I'm excited uh, <laughs> to see the Braves there. I'm excited to see the Dodgers there because they're both two very good teams. The Braves obviously are a huge, huge underdog, and I'm just—it's going to be a good series. I—I I really need more follows on Twitter for Dodgers fans and Braves fans because I really kind of want to. Don't let don't in. let Padres Twitter know you're messing around with Dodgers fans. They—they no, they won't take no. to that kindly. I'm not. Listen, I'm not. I'll tell everyone. I'm not trying to join Dodgers Twitter, and I'm not trying to join Braves Twitter. What I'm trying to do is get different perspectives because I don't know these teams very well. I did this for multiple years. Every team that ends up in the World Series, I try and find big fans, people that are, you know. Um, you just get a nice little baseline for what's going on over there. Right, exactly. And kind of what their, what their thoughts are, see how crazy they are compared to Yankees Twitter, which is not as crazy. Um, oh, my God. Like, I have a whole bunch of stuff for Yankees Twitter. I got a whole bunch of stuff written down. I'm not, not happy with Yankees Twitter this week. It's only going to get worse. I know. And uh, the other thing, too, is I made a mistake in 2017 with the World Series because I was like, oh, I should probably follow Astros people, too. Mm -mm. They're the worst. Mm -mm. Astros fans are the worst. I just it, it really it doesn't sit right with me that you can't just admit that your team did something wrong. Like if the Yankees got popped for sign stealing, I don't think I would have any problem being like, yeah, we don't fucked up. This was a shitty thing to do to the rest of the league. And I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not going to talk trash. I'm going to hope that when my team comes back from sign stealing and when we have a full regular season that we don't go sub 500 back our way into the playoffs and then act like that's an excuse to talk shit. I'm just going to hope that the Yankees go back to winning normally, winning regular games. But I'm not going to go, I'm not going to search Astros in the Twitter bar like they clearly do. Because every time I type Astros out in a tweet, somebody pops up in my DMs. They got like alerts alerts for any time somebody writes the word Astros on any social media app, someone from Astros Twitter is going to come back and, and try to snap at you. And you just can't do it because you cheated. Yeah, they got, they got their shit radar on. So anytime they're like, oh my God, someone's talking shit about the Astros. Like, it's just, they know. Yeah, they oh know. no, absolutely. And even uh, Andrew Friedman, the uh, president of baseball ops for the Dodgers was on the radio this week talking shit about the Astros. And they just... They came out in droves. I mean, obviously that was pretty high profile, so kind of kind of made its way around. Um, but I mean, all he said was, "I don't really like that they're playing the victim card, and they shouldn't be playing the victim card. They're not right. the victims." Well, yeah, that's that's been the problem this entire time. Is Carlos Correa and everyone who went out to talk was just like, "Yeah, they they think we can't do it. They think you know we can't come back." I'm like, that's not what we're thinking. We're thinking that you're a bunch of assholes who can't admit that you made a mistake and instead go up like Alex Bregman and slowly read a 30-second apology that is not an apology. So they've done yeah, that. It's like that scene in The Office where they just have Dwight Schrute writes down, I state my regret. That's it. Like, you couldn't have memorized that? I was like, well, I don't feel it. So There's a bug in my lamp and it's scaring me. Oh, no. Real bad. This is what happens when there's no baseball. Like I get, I get jittery. I get antsy. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what to do with my baseball. Where's my baseball, man. And I actually, before on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday this weekend, I was just walking around my house. Just, I don't know. What do I, what do I do? I don't, there's no baseball on for, for the past week. There's been baseball on starting from noon until mm -hmm. the end of the day. Where's the, all the baseball it's supposed to be on right now. What do I do with my life? Watch Yankees classics. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go back to the 2017 playoff run. I'm going to end before they get to Houston, but you know. End before Houston game seven, the worst night of my entire life. Well, actually I would end before game six too, to be completely honest. 
Oh, man. Um, all right, so let's shift our focus back to the Yankees because it is the official start of the offseason. Uh, do you want to start with a realistic plan or do you want to start with the Yankees Twitter idiot plans? Let's start with the Yankees Twitter idiot plan because I'm really excited to hear everything. Okay, number one on the list. I'm not going to disclose this person's identity. I've, I have a feeling you probably already saw it uh, because this is a person who's standing in the Yankees baseball community should mean that he's a lot smarter than this. And we, we already, we've already been through this with this guy, with Aaron Judge. Yep. Okay, yep. so you know who I'm talking about. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. He has decided that the most prudent thing the Yankees can do this offseason is to trade Luke Voigt while his value is high and move Aaron Judge to first base. Yeah. No, that sounds great. He's tall. That's about it. Yeah, he's tall. He's tall. Uh, he's not going to get as, as hurt if he's not playing the outfield. I really don't think that's true. I, no, you know what? I think I agree with that. This is pure sarcasm voice here. Um, you know, if you're, if yeah, you're please really specify thinking, your sarcasm, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you it's sarcasm. Um, yeah, no, that's not a good idea. Um, I mean, I understand the, the want and the need to trade Luke Voigt, but you're going to get a first baseman who can finally bat consistently and is a pretty decent hitter needs to work on his defense a little bit, but you're going to take that and you're just going to get rid of it and be like, yep, Aaron Judge here, first base. Try it out. Let's see what you got. First of yeah, all, nothing. he's going to make DJ LeMahieu, if we'll talk about DJ too, but DJ LeMahieu, the tallest second baseman in the game, he's going to make him look like a midget. That'd be kind of hilarious. <laughs> DJ would look like a normal second base. He'd be out here looking like Jose Altuve standing next to Aaron Judge on the right side of the diamond. Exactly. And imagine if he's holding on runners, like that'll be hilarious. It'll be yeah, so Imagine fun. Jose Altuve's on second base. It'll be like one of those Russian doll things where you just go, what? yeah, just Altuve on second base to DJ, who's 6'4", yes! 6'5", six, six, to Aaron Judge, who's a monster. Yeah. So for the entertainment factor, absolutely. For the uh, intelligence factor, no. No, this is, I mean, this is the dumbest plan I've ever heard in my entire life. You can't just turn somebody into a first baseman. It just doesn't work like that. And especially think, with Aaron Judge is a gold glove caliber right fielder. He's very good at his position. It's not like this is a huge bat and we're just trying to find literally anywhere where his defense can go unnoticed. He is an asset in the field. He saves games with his play in right field. And you want to move him to first base because I got nothing. I, it's interesting how many people seem to think that first base is just that throwaway position. It's They're not. Like, right, exactly. They're just like, oh, yeah, first base, absolutely easy to play. It's not. There's so many different factors that go into it. And that's why a lot of players like that before they retire tend to go to first base are catchers. Yeah, guys who just – they just don't have the physical ability to squat right. behind the plate 162 games a year. Correct. And then it's like, all right, so we'll go move it first. And, you know, he already knows how to pick balls because he's been doing it his whole career. We're going to take Aaron Judge, who I would bet almost anything in the entire world has never played first base in his life. And we're going to say, all right, six, seven, go scoop these balls. Here's the other thing, too, is I can only imagine him. He's, he's such a tryhard. Like, he, he wants to be the best at his position. He would just go and do splits, and then he would get hurt. So Yeah, and what about his arm? How many plays do we see Aaron Judge make with his arm? How many plays do you see Luke Voigt make with his arm? None, because his only job is to catch the ball? It's just, I mean, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And this is, this is the second time, all right? He's on two strikes here. We're going. We're getting dangerously, dangerously close to him just being out of my Twitter life forever. He's gonna uh -oh. get. He's gonna get Yankees Twitter canceled because we're uh -oh. on two strikes now with trading Aaron Judge in the first place this season, calling to trade him, which was absurdly stupid because Aaron Judge is a top ten, if not top five, player in baseball, and now just moving him to first base and trading Luke Voigt, who led the major leagues in home runs this year, was an MVP candidate, and who. All of the advanced analytics say, yeah, this is who he is. This is who Luke Voigt is. I agree. It's, uh, it's pretty absurd. And, of course, we're going to get this 
all off season. We're gonna get this all off season. Some sort of proposal like this. I mean, there's, there's just gonna be so many factors. It's mind boggling, but yes, this is bad. And it's only the beginning. Only the beginning. Um, all right, let's, let's leave the Trevor Bauer of Yankees Twitter for the questions later, because it'll come up. Um, what else we got? Have you, well, is this about Trevor Bauer tweeting at all the different teams? That, that's a whole other thing. And okay. I'm, I'm kind of mad at myself because when he tweeted that first Red Sox one, that was the first one. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is news. Let me go write this up for my new site. And I did it and it posted and it was totally fine. And then the next day he tweets it out about the Reds and the next day he tweets it out about the Braves and the Yankees. I'm like, oh, so this was a bit. This wasn't serious. This yeah. was just a bit that he's doing. Yep. Every single day. Yep. So I feel like an idiot now because I wrote a whole ass article on a Trevor Bauer bit. Oh, he got you good. He got me. He tricked me. Trevor Bauer fleeced you. (laughs) I think I even think I wrote one for ESNY of when he tweeted out about the Yankees. I was like, hey, this is fun. It's never gonna happen, but this is fun. Well, I don't know if you saw, but earlier today he did tweet about um the quote unquote non-existent beef between him and Garrett Cole. I don't know about that. I don't know if the beef is non-existent. I think well, Trevor Bauer that, just listen, wants to Listen, I'm just value. telling you. I'm just telling you what Trevor said. He could be messing with us again. I could be getting fleeced right now. Like, totally. But it's pretty funny. His Twitter account today is pretty entertaining. Today, today he took it a little step too far. He called out a Braves – or not a Braves fan, a Dodgers fan, saying, mm-hmm. like, is this, who, is, is this who's in charge? Because she doesn't want me to come here. And yes. he got in a little Twitter beef with her and, you know, how Trevor Bauer gets. I mean, it's great what he's doing for the game. He might not be the best guy in the world, but the social media stuff is great. Probably should have let this one slide. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's a good bit if you're going to get fan bases riled up to up your free agency value. I mean, that's – it's something. Yeah, I guess you're right. All right, what is next? Um, oh, here we go. Uh, Hal Steinbrenner. Earlier today, so the Yankees took a huge financial hit. Uh, executives are kind of feeling the situation that the Yankees are not going to be big spenders in this offseason uh, beyond the assets that we want to retain, i.e. DJ LeMahieu, who's going to get a pretty nice contract. I don't know. It's pretty tough to analyze what the financial situation is going to be this offseason because of all the teams that have financial troubles because of COVID quote unquote financial troubles. I don't, I don't buy it at all, obviously. Um, but teams that are not going to offer guys their, their full value. Um, you just, you just don't know what it's going to look like. So I think it would be silly for me to, to, to put a dollar value on DJ LeMahieu going forward. Any other year I say it's probably like five years, one twenty. Uh, but who knows? Maybe the Yankees are just going to wait for other teams to bid on him and then come the final bid and say, all right, we'll beat it. Well, just real quick on DJ LeMayhew. It's become very clear that the Yankees need DJ LeMayhew more than DJ LeMayhew needs the Yankees. Absolutely. He is the essential. The value has skyrocketed. The Yankees need him on their roster. He can fight for a much bigger deal. I think he wants to stay in New York. I think he sees the potential of this team, especially with Garrett Cole as their ace and Luis Severino coming back eventually, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, figuring out the rotation and everything. But DJ LeMahieu just wants to know he's loved and appreciated. So all the Yankees have to do is buy him some flowers, talk to him and say, DJ, I appreciate you. Come on home. Come home to us. That's it. That's all. Voila. Voila. Um, and other than that, uh, this is just another reason that the Yankees aren't going to go after Trevor Bauer. They are just, they are just not going to spend money on Trevor Bauer. It's just not going to happen. And I can already see the quotes coming out of it. When people start complaining that the Yankees haven't signed an ace pitcher yet again, Brian Cashman is going to say, well, we feel like we kind of have signed an ace pitcher in getting Luis Severino back and Domingo Herman will probably be back. Um, which I don't, I don't really believe in Domingo Herman's future as a starter. I don't see him. I don't see him succeeding in that role going forward. He kind of showed signs of cracking in 2019 before the suspension. 
Um, so he's probably destined for the bullpen. But that is going to be the quote. We say, oh, well, we're getting Severino and Herman back. So we really think we did sign a, an ace-level starter. They didn't. And they're not going to. Uh, if anything, they're going to get a mid-tier starter uh, as long as they don't have to overpay for him. Uh, maybe like Kevin Gaussman, Taiwan Walker, uh, who they wanted to trade for this year. He's going to be a free agent. Um, who else? Let's see. Oh, Garrett Richards from San Diego is another name that popped up in my mind. He had a pretty pretty nice season for them. Ended up in the bullpen uh, as more of a surplus of starters than anything that he did wrong. He had a pretty nice season for them. Uh, and I think they'll really focus on the relievers. Uh, maybe you see them go after a top flight reliever like Blake Trinan. Maybe a Kirby Yates reunion. Um, Yosmero Petit is a free agent for the A's, but I feel like they'll probably re-sign him. Uh, I think he has a pretty good home there. Um, but yeah, you're not going to see the big splashy move. You're going to see some pretty wise financial decisions. Um, maybe James Paxton comes back if you can get him for under 10 million on a one-year contract. Uh, I think that, that again, the market's going to dictate that whether or not a team wants to take a chance on Paxton in a slow free agent market and say, maybe we can get three years, 30 million uh, since he's not going to get anything else. I think Paxton would probably be best served if he takes a one year contract and rebuilds his value. And if the Yankees can get him for under 10 million on that contract, I think it's a no brainer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I know we've talked about this before. Um, obviously Tanaka Paxton going to be free agents and the fact that Paxton was injured, didn't really get an opportunity this year to, to, you know, show how he was able to come back from injury, which he has plenty of really, really helps the Yankees in terms of potentially re-signing him again. Um, I think everyone just has to be realistic, which is kind of hard for people on Twitter. And this but, is why Yankee Twitter is going to be a bloodbath this year. Right. All these fancy names that are flying around, even trading for Francisco Lindor, and then here we are, the psychopaths who actually have brains being like, you know what? Just be patient. The bones of this team are solid. We just need a few more pieces. Right. Um, yeah. In terms of the rotation, especially, I mean, you have Garrett Cole, you have these other pitchers coming back who have the potential and have been in the past. I mean, Luis Severino, I'm not sure what season it was. Was it 2017? When Yeah, 2017, he was right up there with Kluber through the All-Star right. break for exactly. Cy Young votes, and then he right. kind of fell off, uh, and right. Kluber but, turned it to know, another I mean, level. He, he definitely has that potential, and that's something that I think a lot of people just tend to forget about because they're like, oh my gosh, they get distracted. We haven't seen him in two years. Um, you get distracted by the big names, the people that are coming onto the market, the people that are potentially trade-worthy, and they're going to make stupid trade proposals, which I'm also not looking forward hate to. hate trade proposals. It's too early. They're already doing it. People want to trade Luke Voigt. Dumb. People want to trade Gio Urshela. Dumb. Like, come on. Yeah, Gio 2. Gio 2. No, thank you. No, thank um, you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, got, it's going to be an offseason that is not very Yankee-like. But I think that that's going to be a great thing for this team because it gives some of these younger players that have been there and started to develop and started to feel at home in the Bronx, the opportunity to be like, we are the core. We are the core of this team and we have the opportunity to build this back up. And I think that's a great thing. Absolutely. And again, going into 2021, you hope that uh, they, last year they brought in Eric Cressy and his staff to keep the guys healthy. Didn't work. Uh, maybe some of that was holdover from 2019, maybe not. Uh, 2021, it's just everyone stay on the fucking field for one year. Everyone stay on the fucking field. That would be ideal. You know, if there had to be a couple injuries, make them short injuries, that's fine. But once you have 10 starters on the IL, actually I'm calling out the Dallas Cowboys right now. Boo. Um, but once you have like 10 starters on the IL, that's where the issues come into play. And that's when... Yankees fans, I know you complain, but players like Brett Gardner, who might not be playing as well, but can stay on the field, are going to be on the field. So you guys better root for your star players to stay healthy, or else you're going to see a whole nother season of Brett Gardner. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that actually transitions us nicely to the questions for this week. Uh, so we're going to start with the Brett Gardner question, obviously. Uh, it's kind of an easy question to answer. 
Uh, but we will get to talk about Brett Gardner uh, from Nick Bruno. What are the New York Yankees more likely to do this offseason? Resign Brett Gardner or trade Luke Voigt? Obviously, it's resigned Brett Gardner. Nobody is trading Luke Voigt. The Yankees love Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt is an analytic dream player. He's like Aaron Hicks at first base, except he can't play defense. So everything he does is perfect for offensive analytics. They're not trading him. It's not happening. Luke Voigt will be on the 2021 Yankees. Stop putting that out there. I think absolutely right. Resigning Brett Gardner is probably more likely to happen. And just thinking about it too and seeing his performance this season, he was actually one of the hotter hitters in the postseason, surprisingly. He was mm-hmm. getting on base and he was making things happen. Um, I do think that his time as a you know full-time starter is starting to phase out or should be starting to phase out. I feel like you have to give Clint Frazier the more opportunities to do what he does if you want to keep him. Um, I feel as though Brett Gardner... The problem is he he does not get hurt. He does not. He's just always healthy. Everyone else is getting hurt, and the Yankees are like, I don't know. Who do we even have left? Brett Gardner? Okay. He's going to play 60 games this year. Right. And I think one of the other options um, for him, I mean, you really have to utilize him on the base paths. I feel like he is a not only a smart base runner, but even if you're putting him into pinch hits, which, you know, not the most ideal situation, if he can work walks and get on base somehow, he's going to make things happen. Absolutely. He's a threat. I think this is the, the summer where we finally see Clint Frazier is going to take over, at least to start. Clint Frazier is going to take over the left field job. I think they're going to keep John Carlos Stanton at DH, and Brett Gardner is going to be that fourth outfielder. Uh, maybe Mike Tockman's on the roster as well, since I don't know what they would do if Aaron Judge went down mid-game in right field. I guess they'd have to move Clint over. Um, but I don't, I don't like that. I don't like messing with Clint at yeah. all. Just put him in a position and just leave him there. Stay. This is your position. You stay here. It's, uh, yeah, I, I think Brett Gardner is going to be resigned in some capacity, um, but I don't think, as everyone believes, that he is going to be that starter in the outfield. I think people are like, oh, if he's resigned, he's going to start like he has to. Not necessarily. No chance. Um, he's only going to start with injuries, and I don't know. Right. Getting him back for 2021, I think, is the real question because the Yankees do have a club option. Uh, which they could exercise to keep Brett Gardner. I think the salary would be $12.5 million uh, if they exercise the option. And they could also not exercise the option and then just re-sign him outright maybe for a, a better deal, which if the Yankees' financial situation is as dire as it sounds, uh, it's probably not then they, they probably would do that. They probably would uh, kind of shave Brett Gardner down to like $8 million or $7 million for another year just to just kind of send him off. And I think, that would be, I think that would be the final nail in the Brett Gardner coffin, just a kind of retirement tour as a, as a fourth outfielder for the Yankees. I know that makes you sad to talk about, but uh, eventually the day is going to come where Brett Gardner is no longer a baseball player. I know it's just so hard to think about. I mean, and I bet you so many people like grew up with Brett Gardner. Like they've always known Brett Gardner in the field. And I had this one friend that moved to Boston, ah, another one. And she was like, she messaged me. She wanted me to make her a Yankee sign. And she said, you know what? Like I've been watching baseball more. This was earlier in the season because it's really the only thing on. And she said, I remembered watching back in 2009, 2010. And she's like, I turned on the TV today and Brett Gardner is still there. And I was still like, here. isn't that something, huh? Just uh, a lot of people grew up with him. Like I grew up watching Derek Jeter the entire time. So when he retired, I was like, he's all I've ever known at shortstop. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. I But I think uh, he deserves a proper send off um from the Bronx he didn't get the send-off he deserved absolutely okay this next question I want to get to before I forget about it because it was sent to us in a DM instead of a reply so I couldn't bookmark it uh this is from Joe at Bronx Bronx pinstripes yeah he's an awesome dude he wants to know if all four teams left can be swallowed into an infinite void of nothingness so the Yankees can be declared champions 
think we can arrange that. I think I think I'm down for that. I think that would be okay with me if the all the teams just disappeared and the Yankees were the only team left standing. I think that'd be fine with me. I mean, honestly, it's 2020. Like, what the hell else could happen? It might be that. Don't even say that. I'm sorry. Every time, every time somebody says, "What else could happen in 2020?" Some bad shit happens again, and it's yeah, just but, we can't have that anymore. Yeah, but that's bad for them. But for us, it's entertaining. <laughs> that's what, okay. Well, what if you say what what could happen in 2020? The Yankees get swallowed into the infinite void of nothingness. I didn't say that. And now you said that. So you put it out into the universe. This is your fault. Let's just stop messing with 2020. No more stop messing with 2020. Um, okay. So yes, we are, we would be in favor of the other teams getting sucked into an infinite void of nothingness. If the Yankees got to be champions. Um, oh, yeah. okay. Here's another one from Inigo Montoya. I'm guessing that's not his real name because that is absolutely a character in a movie. Uh, Anduhar or Urshela, who do you keep? I think this is an obvious answer. Gio! Gio Urshela, a million times out of a million. He is so much better. So much better, in fact, that I wrote down stats. I wrote them down. Advanced stats, too. Not even, like, average on base. No, like, advanced stats. Uh, First of all, Gio Urshela plays defense. I don't think anyone's going to argue. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to argue with me on that take that Gio Urshela plays defense where Miguel Andujar does not. Hmm. Uh, just for outs above average, uh, minus one for Gio in 2020, which I don't really believe because we know Gio is a better player than that. He doesn't have great range, but compared to our other third baseman that we've seen in the past, you know, five, six, whenever, since whenever A-Rod retired, uh, Gio's range is perfect. His arm is perfect. His glove is perfect. Everything is perfect. Uh, versus Miguel Andujar, who had a minus four outs above average, uh, minus three of those came at third base while only minus one came in left field. Maybe he's destined to be a left fielder. Who knows? But I think it's worth noting that in 2018, when Miguel Andujar played a full season, he had a minus 11 OAA. Oh my goodness. So he accounted for 11 less outs than anybody else. The the average baseline for a third baseman, he gets 11 less outs than everyone else gets. Kind of important, if you ask me. Sounds important. Kind of important. Uh, Okay, so K-rate. 2020, Gio Rochelle, K-rate of 14.4%. That's very good. That's a very good K-rate. He doesn't strike out a lot this year. Uh, Miguel Andujar, 22.4%. Uh, exit velocities, Geo 90.6, Andujar 83.6. Not good. Expected batting average for Geo is 315 for Miguel Andujar. It was well lower than that. Well lower. I don't want to put the number out because it's a scary number. We don't want to talk about the scary number. Okay. Okay. That's fine. It's Halloween time. I don't like being scared. No, no um, spooky shows. Yeah. No, no. Um, that is... Those are some very good stats to share. I was just going to say, literally, from the eye test especially. I mean, Yeah, eye test too. It doesn't right. take advanced you, analytics you know to know Gio is better. You know Gio is the far superior defender. He made that very, very clear. In fact, he saved a couple games in uh, the postseason this year. But in terms of batting, you know, he obviously came to the Yankees, and he wasn't necessarily known for his hitting. He was more so known for his defense and he was able to step it up. He changed his stance a little bit. He worked with the hitting instructors. He really got things figured out and he did it. So, you know what? He's fine on both ends of the ball. Miguel Andujar obviously struggled this year when he was batting, obviously he's always struggled on defense, but he had, of course, that one season, you know, his rookie of the year ish campaign. Um, Absolutely. And it, it bears, that, it bears noting, uh, Per Max, who is the stats genius, who has been on this train for a very long time, that Miguel Andujar got really lucky in 2018. When he hit the ball, he hit a lot of doubles. He didn't really hit with too much exit velocity. He just found gaps. And there was a a big discrepancy between his actual batting average and his expecting batting average. Uh, So who knows? Maybe Gio Urshela is just great. Maybe the fluke was his bad offensive seasons because he's now had uh, more of a sample size as being a top player in the league than as being a guy who gets cut by the Indians and traded for cash by the Toronto Blue Jays. 
So absolutely, unequivocally, Gio Urshela. I'm keeping him. I am launching Miguel Andujar into the sun if I have to. I'd rather not. I like Miggy. I think he's a nice guy, uh, but he is just not a very, not a very good fit for the Yankees. I also really enjoyed how the Indians, um, after the game, after they lost, they were like they were praising Gio Urshela just because he came from their organization. And they like retweeted that old, old tweet from like a long time ago about him being DFA'd. And they were just like, sorry, man, but whoops, good luck, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I thought that was, that was pretty funny, but it was also pretty cool. You, you know how much that organization meant to him. I mean, he was there for a very long time. Oh yeah. And Francisco Lindor is his best friend. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I really enjoyed watching him. Uh, oh, Jose Ramirez started pulling Jose Ramirez's hair and he's like don't touch it yeah crazy. no I mean he's he's got love for Cleveland Cleveland he came up with Cleveland he knows all those guys he came up through the system with them uh he's got love for Cleveland uh but they couldn't get the best out of him and the Yankees could so he's just a happy fella that's who he is the most happy fella um okay this one is from Tina I think uh Tina is the one who sweeps her porch every time the Yankees sweep an opponent which is just the most hysterical running joke that it's on Twitter. I love it. Every time it comes up, um, basically what moves do you think the Yankees will make this off season? Will they go after pitching? Will Tanaka be gone? Hap, et cetera. Uh, also position players will Gardy be gone most likely, but who knows? Uh, we kind of kind of covered a lot of this uh, with Tanaka. There is an interesting wrinkle. Uh, obviously the Yankees would love to have him back. I think he'd love to be back with the Yankees, but his former team from uh, Japan is going to offer him a $25 million contract to come back. Why? Because they want him back. Like we want Masa back. He's a very good pitcher. We want to take him back. And we think that there is an opportunity for us to spend more money than the New York Yankees on him. So they want him to come back to Japan. I don't know if he, I don't know if he would do that. They think they think that they're better than the New York Yankees. This is interesting. Maybe this maybe is this developing. is just a, a closed-door handshake agreement between Massa and his former team. You know what? Let's get all the news outlets. Let's get them stirring. Let's say, you're going to offer me $25 million just to have the Yankees up my value. I'm a free agent. I want to get paid again. So let's just wrap this up. Teamwork makes the dream work. I'll give you 10% off the top. Hmm. Very interesting. It's a I conspiracy didn't theory. Little, I didn't know that little piece of information, so that is very good to know. Um, I mean, obviously, what we think is the Yankees should, at the time, focus on um, on re-signing those that they are going to lose, that they would like to keep. Um, and then beyond that, hi, Kat. And then beyond that, um, you know, I think there might only be one other decent size move as opposed to any sort of big moves like we discussed yeah i think you're gonna see most likely a middle range reliever get signed somebody who's not not off the list i mentioned earlier which i mean i would love that's a knockout punch kind of list trying and petite yates like those are guys who if a world chapman falls out of the closer spot that's the guy you're sliding in right after him um I don't know how willing their teams are going to be to get out bid for them. Um, but I don't know if we'll see one of those guys, maybe a middle range reliever, maybe some back end starter help. Uh, as much as a guy like Taiwan Walker, you could sign this guy and say, maybe, you know, worst case, we have to kind of push him into a more important role. Best case, he's our fifth starter, or maybe we're going on a six man rotation at some times to get people rest. Uh, we'll find ways to work that out. There's nothing for Jordan Montgomery in AAA, but he does have options, so you can send him down if you have to. Uh, there's nothing for Davey Garcia, Clark Schmidt in AAA, really. Um, but you can send them down and bring them back up if you have to. So I wouldn't be surprised if you get a mid-range veteran starter just to kind of act as a consistent presence in the back end of the rotation, which is something the Yankees did not have this year. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, I just think in general, this off season is going to be so different than what we've, we've ever expected from the Yankees. And 
you know, to be completely honest, I think people are just going to have way too high expectations, but we're telling you right now, this off season is not going to be anything significant. Um, there you know, will not, not be the big move. It will not happen. There's not going to be the Garrett Cole signing. There's not going to be the John Carlos Stanton trade. There's going to be nothing of the sort. It's literally just going to be filling in those pieces and hopefully finding some diamonds in the rough um, like they did with Gio Urshela. And Luke Voigt, who is absolutely not going to get traded. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, this is the last Yankees question we got. And then we have one more about Trevor Bauer and the Angels. Um, but for the Yankees, from Adam Taylor, oh, let's see, McKillop. Adam Taylor McKillop. Is it time to start thinking about a replacement for Gary behind the plate, or does he get a pass for this year? Defensively, he wants Higgy behind there every day of the week. And is it time for JT Realmuto? You knew this one was coming. You knew knew this question had to come and surface at some point. Knew it. Um, Let's just start by saying this. We've repeated multiple times that the big splash isn't coming. Okay. JT Realmuto this week stated that he's going to be seeking a contract in the $200 million range. There is no chance on the face of the earth that if JT Realmuto is seeking that kind of contract, he will be a Yankee in 2021. It will not happen. Let it go. We are not going to get JT Realmuto. It's not going to happen. As for any other backstop, it's not really a lot to do with Gary. It's a lot more to do with Kyle Higashioka, who doesn't have any options left, and the Yankees would like to keep him. He's a very good defensive catcher, one of the best defensive catchers in the league, and he maybe he showed some flashes of offense this year, so maybe he'll get some more playing time this year, regular at-bats. Uh, the point being that I don't think the Yankees are ready to give up on Gary Sanchez entirely, which is what they would have to do uh, in order to bring in any other catcher from any team. Uh, Cause you already have, you have Gary affordably under contract. You have Kyle Higashioka affordably under contract in the wings. You have Eric Kratz on a minor league deal. You can pull him up uh, just in a prospect standpoint. You drafted Austin Wells this year. Austin Wells probably isn't too far off given that uh, he played in college. So you could see Austin Wells really rise up in the system in the next two to three years, a really strong offensive-minded catcher. And if robo-umps are introduced, it doesn't really matter that he can't play defense. Uh, You don't have to move him to first base. Uh, You have Anthony Siegler, who you drafted two years ago, who could be rising through the system. He's from high school, so he's going to take a little bit longer. But you have those options in the system. You have Kyle Higashioka, who you're not going to carry three catchers. So if you're going to bring in another catcher, you're getting rid of Higashioka completely, and you're not going to do that because you like him defensively. So I don't think any catching changes are going to be made going into 2021. Gary Sanchez will be there. Hopefully he will be more like 2017 Gary, and he'll put the shortened, weird 60-game season behind him. Uh, Small sample size killed him. Uh, Early on, we saw him hit a lot of balls hard that just got caught a really bad luck early on that really – seeped into every aspect of his game. He missed more fastballs than he's ever missed in, in his entire career before. He's a good fastball hitter. We know this. It's just, it's going to be Gary. It's going to be Gary. Yeah, um, they've made it very, very clear so many times that Gary Sanchez is, is their guy. Um, and, you know, when he's on, he's on. But this season was horrific for Terrible. Gary terrible year so so bad and not just defensively um offensively he really struggled and you know in the final games of the postseason obviously Kyle Higashioka was the guy they called upon they had to call upon the hotter hand they had to call upon the guy that they know is going to make those stops when there's runners on second base or third base the Yankees would not have been in the ALDS at all if it wasn't for Higashioka especially in game four they would have lost game four with all the balls Montgomery was spiking if Kyle Higashioka hadn't been behind the plate but I think the other thing you have to think about too, if especially if you're Gary Sanchez, is first of all the fact that you were not put in the game during two elimination games. Two, well, one elimination game, one winner take all game. You were not put in the game for a reason. 
you were put in in the later innings. And even so, everyone was terrified because literally the problem wasn't, oh, Aroldis Chapman is going to pitch 2.1 innings. It's Aroldis Chapman has to throw to Gary Sanchez. That was the concern. So if you're Gary Sanchez, you better get your butt in gear. I mean, you, you are low up. right now. This is, this is the worst right. moment of your career right here. And 2021, that's, this is the year. It's going to be decided whether or not Gary Sanchez plays a role in the long-term future in the Yankees, whether he goes back to being one of the best hitters, let alone catchers, one of the best hitters in all of baseball or he continues down his 2020 path, and then you see the Yankees maybe send him down. I don't know if he has options. I have to look at his contract. I don't know if he has options. It could be sent down just to get him out of the way, or you see them non-tender him when the time comes, and Gary Sanchez doesn't get a contract. He goes somewhere else. And I think you, thinking about Gary Sanchez, just you really hope that this season and all this talk doesn't discourage him from working harder and trying to be better because literally can you imagine being in your own head about this being like i had two opportunities to play in games that brought my team to the alcs and i was not involved in any of these opportunities i was on the bench yeah, it's. I mean, it's not a good feeling to go into the offseason right. with. Uh, for certain players, that turns into motivation. For other players, it turns into, okay, this baseball thing didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Which one is Gary Sanchez going to be? I hope it's the motivation kind. I hope he comes back. He hits 30-plus bombs. Uh, I hope Tanner Swanson works with him on his defensive catching ability. Uh, he did. I mean, he was using the new stance this year, which worked pretty well for him. He, he improved his framing on low balls. Uh, but not so much, you know, the outer edges and the top of the zone. Uh, he only really made improvements on the low balls by going down to one knee. So you'd like to see him get a little bit better at framing. Um, blocking the ball is, I just think that's always going to be a problem with him. And I don't think that's going to cost him his career if he can hit. Right, exactly. I mean, he really has to get that bat back. That is, that is the major part. As long as he can get that back at the very least, People are going to have more confidence in him. They're going to want him in the lineup because who doesn't want a guy that can just mash the ball or hit RBI doubles? I mean, my favorite at bat from Gary Sanchez in his entire career was in the 2017 uh, ALCS at Yankee Stadium yep. when he hit that double to right field. I mean, that's that was my favorite thing in the world because I was like, he can do that? You know, and yeah, that's, that's, that's in the bag. <laughs> is he can do so much more than just hit home runs. It's just, I felt like this year, especially all he was focused on was the long ball. And it worked out for him occasionally. You know, he hit that, uh, I believe it was a go ahead. His hard, his hard hit rate was still great. When he did hit right. the ball, he still hit it hard. Uh, he just didn't actually make contact very often. Right. So, I mean, obviously he hit home runs when he did. It was great, but... He didn't do much of anything else. And in the past, he has hit doubles. He's hit singles. He's gotten on base, you know, like done all of that. And this year it was just home run or strikeout. There was no in between. No. Um, so, yeah, 2021 will be the year where the Yankees finally decide if Gary Sanchez is going to be in place. Otherwise, uh, I'm pretty comfortable with Higashioka as the starter, just based on a defensive standpoint. People forget most teams in baseball don't have a good offensive catcher. Uh, you can survive without one. It's better to have one. It makes your lineup circular, but you can survive without one. Um, all right. So last question that we got from Jody, it's about Trevor Bauer. Again, uh, Trevor Bauer is saying he's flying to Orange County today. Is he a good fit for the Angels? 100% absolutely yes. I would love to see Trevor Bauer go to the Los Angeles Angels because we mentioned this last year when they were pursuing Garrett Cole. Their starting rotation is fucking terrible. Uh, Dylan Bundy was their best pitcher this year, and we saw plenty of him. I mean, he had a great year. Don't get me wrong. But we saw plenty of him in Baltimore to know that that great year in 2020 could very well be a fluke in a 60-game season. Uh, so they need to make drastic improvements uh, in the pitching staff, in the bullpen. Um, offensively, there are some places that they could improve. But, I mean, when you have – 
Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Shohei Otani, the offense is probably going to be fine. Uh, so starting pitching, starting pitching, starting pitching. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Angels kind of go balls to the wall and forget the weak free agent market. They take a run at James Paxton. They take a run at Kevin Gaussman. They take a run at Trevor Bauer, uh, Taiwan Walker, uh, Jose Quintana. Any pitcher that could possibly be available, I think the Angels will be linked to them in some way. I actually disagree with you. Oh. Um, the reason I do is because I feel like this Angels team, especially with signing Mike Trout basically for life, um, you know, signing Anthony Rendon, having um, Otani. I never know how to pronounce his first name. My Shohei Otani. Shohei. Shohei yeah. Otani. Okay, good. We got it. Um, I feel like basically they're trying to prep for the future. And Trevor Bauer is literally a one-year deal kind of guy. I think I think you can talk him out of it though. I know he said he said so. he's gonna do one year deals. You um, know so, Trevor Bauer? Have you yeah. seen him on Twitter? He's I think I think if you offer out. him a massive contract, he's gonna say, Okay, yeah, I'll take that one. Uh, but no, you're know, you're I right. Truly, you're right. I truly don't believe that the Angels are gonna go balls to the wall for one year of Trevor Bauer without potentially taking all of this that they worked to grow and are continuing to try and work and grow. I think that they need an established pitcher who is going to sign a multi-year deal for them. Um, don't know who that might be necessarily, but I really don't think that they're going to go balls to the wall for Trevor Bauer. Absolutely. I just don't if, if, there's, if it's a one-year deal, if you can't talk Trevor Bauer out of his, I'm only taking one-year contracts for the rest of my career deal, uh, then, it's, then it would be pretty dumb. Uh, because you have to you have to be honest with yourself when you look at the division and you say the Oakland Athletics way better than us, the Houston Astros way better than us, the Seattle Mariners honestly they could be better. They could be better than the Angels. They're going to see some some of their top prospects start coming up finally. Uh, Jared Kalanick, um, uh, who was who was the infielder this year? I wrote I voted him for Rookie of the Year. I can't even remember. Oh, Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis. Um, and you're going to see these guys start to come up. So they might be better than the Angels. The Texas Rangers, they have a pretty good pitching staff. It's not known whether or not that pitching staff is going to stick around, um, but they also have some young talent. You just you got to be honest with yourself about where your standing is in the division and say, is one year of Trevor Bauer really going to get us over that hill? Probably not. So let's save the money and spend it on somebody else who's going to stay around for five years for when we might actually see uh, Joe Adele come into his own and some of the other prospects come up and really establish a rotation and a bullpen and have a, a team that can actually compete and not just Mike Trout. I think if you're going to go for Trevor Bauer, you also have to go for multiple other insane starting pitchers because you're like, I only got a one year chance to do this. Yeah, you need, you need upgrades, upgrades, need plural, like 11 S's upgrades. on upgrades. So and many S's. Not ones that are going to take time to develop, not ones that need time to settle into the whole, you know, Los Angeles scene. No, you can't do that. No, Trevor so. Bauer is a compete now move. Right. Right. All right. So that wraps up the questions we got. Do you have anything else? Um, beyond the fact that obviously I miss the New York Yankees significantly. Um, I just, I, wish I could see Gio Urshela's little smile on the field and like Brett Gardner robbing home runs. I love that. You know, Garrett Cole striking people out. I just getting amped up yelling, ugh. roaring like a lion. It was fantastic. I just miss it. I miss it. And it feels like so long ago that they last played and I am, I am sad. I'm sad. It's the sadness podcast. Um, yeah. I have just one last note uh, for the Padres listeners that we may have. Uh, Tommy Pham, toughest dude on planet Earth. Yeah, he got stabbed in the back. Yeah, he he. And they they noted the size of the stab. It was twelve inches in and f or twelve inches across and five inches in, or the other way around. I don't know, but he got like he got stabbed, stabbed like super stabbed, and he almost got autopsy. That's what happened. Yeah, no, he was. I I don't know how, I don't know how this didn't break until after the surgery. First of all, because like Tommy Pham getting stabbed, like that seems like something the media would find out about 
before two days later. Doesn't matter. Uh, good for them for not reporting it. I don't like hearing about things like that until I know the player is going to be okay. Um, but he's going to be totally fine. Didn't hit any major organs. And so the first thing he said after the surgery was, don't worry, I'll be back to my off-season routine in no time. So clearly the toughest person on planet Earth. Uh, thank God he is okay. Brett Gardner would like to have a word with him, but yes. I don't, listen, don't. I don't... Brett Gardner has never been stabbed, so... I wonder why. <laughs> Made of steel. <laughs> okay, so people have tried to stab Brett Gardner and it just bounces off his skin like he's Superman. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I guess exactly so. It. I guess so. Um, all right, so then that'll wrap it up for the week. Um, leave us a five-star review uh, about your Yankees baseball sadness, general baseball sadness. Uh, right now, the Atlanta Braves are winning five to nothing over the Dodgers. That's pretty fun. Uh, and hopefully... The Rays, oh, it's 6 nothing now, actually. Uh, hopefully the Rays go 3-0 against the Astros by the time you're listening to this. Fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. All right, see you. All right, bye.